Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. Now it's time for some New York Mets and baseball talk. And hello and welcome to Mack another edition the latest of news and analysis Mets Musings from Mets Nation we get and the world of baseball once again. on another edition of Mets Musings. We can't figure out where that's coming from, so let's can that. And uh, we're here for another edition of Mets Musings, episode number 322. And we got a great show tonight. Before we get started... Not a good road trip for the Metsies so far. They've dropped four, uh, four out of six, two and four. Dropped two out of three to the Braves, two out of three to the Cardinals. Today was just a disastrous loss. Shouldn't have happened. They're playing sloppy baseball. They're not fielding their positions. Errors. The bullpen has gone south. They wasted a beautiful effort by Syndergaard. Uh, just a whole litany of uh, mistakes and errors. Juan Lagares doesn't make a play that he should have made. Didn't know where he was. They put him in for defensive purposes, and he blows it. Plain and simple. Look, I get it. I get it. The numbers the kid wore won a gold glove. You put him in for defensive purposes. But he hasn't played all day. It is a day game. These guys aren't maybe used to seeing day games. They're not used to playing in them as much anymore. Nimmo had been out there the whole game. Nimmo had been uh, uh, used to the sun, and uh, he should have stayed out there. It's that simple. But they put out... um, Put Lagaris in for defense's purposes, and he cannot, uh, did not catch a ball that was ever, to me, was catchable. And that was the ball game. So, uh, you know, not a good start here on, on the road. And so, they dropped the. Uh, Two here, they dropped two in Atlanta. Don't even want to get into those games. And this is a team that that needs some help. They need to do some things. And they're certainly not getting help from some of their starters. And I'm talking about Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey got demoted to the bullpen. What took so long? He should have been there. But who does he think he is by then not talking to reporters after a bullpen stint and then the next day cursing at the reporters? Hey, Matt, you're not a superstar anymore. You haven't never won 20 games. You're not the Dark Knight. In fact, the way you've been pitching, you're pitching more like the Joker. And you're acting more like Two-Face. It's time for him to go. Clearly, he wants out of New York. And I believe this is a campaign to get 
either traded without saying it or he's sending a message he's not going to resign here. But let's be honest, who is going to sign him at this point? He's not going to get a big deal. He'll lucky if he gets a minimum deal, maybe he'll get even a minor league deal. And he'll have to make a team. But come on, this is ridiculous. You're not the big cheese that you were in 2013 and accept the fact and work hard to get back. That doesn't mean that next year he may not be a a really good pitcher again. I don't think he's ever going to get to the level he once was. But he may recover more with time and he may get uh, in a better condition. Um, not physically, but mentally and, and health-wise. You know, he he's only a year or so out of the thoracic outlet syndrome. We don't know enough about that. So maybe he's got to be more time. But, hey, I mean, this is, this is you know, n- now you've got, now you're getting the press against you. And believe me, they're vicious in this city. They'll take you down and tear you apart. And for what? He could have said, look, guys, uh, I'm not in the mood to talk or anything, but uh, to to skip out the back door after he pitched two innings in relief and gave up a home run. Uh, I'm, not, I'm sorry, he didn't give up a home run, but he lost a lead. Uh, the Mets came back, tied the game, and he gave up the lead. Uh, uh, the game that they eventually won, uh, but still he skipped out. And then uh, the next day when they asked him to talk about being in the bullpen, he had like an attitude and he cursed at him. He's not going to talk about being in the bullpen. Well, Matt, you're there. You may not like it. You think Seth Lugo and Robbie Gizelman liked it in the beginning? But look at the job they've been doing because they embraced it. They, they were happy to be and stay in the major leagues and be with the club. But what, you, you know, uh, what's your excuse? Maybe if you'd stop listening to Scott Boris, maybe you could uh, regain it. But a lot of people have lost a lot of respect for him now. And frankly, I, I you can't blame him. I mean, just just a, a ridiculous attitude to take, and uh, he he's not in a position to uh, to do that. He just hasn't pitched well. Let's be honest; nobody's pitched well other than Syndergaard and Degrom. Everybody else is stunk. Stephen Matt stunk last night. And after his uh, debacle, Mets manager Mickey Callaway would not explicitly say whether the left-hander would make the next schedule start. He said he won't make any rash decisions, but we'll sit down with Mats and figure out exactly how we can help him. Mats allowed seven runs, three earned, and 3.1 innings on Wednesday night en route to his second loss of the season. 
I mean, he just didn't look good. And then once he committed that error, and then there was another error in the field, forget it. He, I don't think in his last six starts he hasn't gotten past the fourth or fifth inning. Can't have that. Can't have that. Jason Vargas is going to make his first start of the se- season on Saturday. And uh, look, I can see Matt's ending up back in, in uh, AAA. If Vargas pitches good, I can see Matt's going to AAA. I can see either Lugo or Corey Oswald, who pitched pretty good yesterday. In relief, he came in. He did give up a, a home run, a two-run home run, but it was his major league debut and pitched pretty well after that. So I could see him getting a start. Will is going to get another start too, but you know he should be on notice as well because he's pitched lousy. And I hate to move Gizelman back because he's pitched so well out of the bullpen. I don't want to bring him back into the starting rotation. But may have to move Lugo and Gazelman. But my guess is they're going to uh, move somebody like Lugo into the spot, perhaps, and try to straighten out Harvey and Wheeler and get them going. But uh, I'm not seeing any improvement from either one of them. And... What a shame when when these guys were so highly touted and to uh, just not throw away things, but, boy, to have this kind of uh, reaction to everything. And then Harvey with his – and, you know, Wheeler's not too far behind either with his reaction to things. If you think back to spring training when they acquired Vargas, Wheeler wasn't too happy. Hey, you put – I I'm sorry, but what have you done for me lately? It's not there. It's just not there. So um, we'll see what's going to happen now. Matt's may not get a start, and I do have a, a, a feeling that Max will be, Matt's will be heading back to AAA. I, I could be wrong. They could give him another start and see. Um, they could move him to the bullpen and swing somebody out. But I don't know. I, I have a feeling that he may go to AAA. Would Harvey prefer that? I doubt that. Uh, but it is what it is. So uh, on to San Diego. And, and look, they got to sweep you. Or take two out of three. They got to start winning series again. They've dropped two series in a row now. And uh, it's, you know. Not good. Not good at all. All right, let's take a break, and we'll be back to talk about those San Diego Padres with my guest right after these messages. Fans and book fans as well. This is Frank Nappy, author of the Legend of Mickey Tussler series, inviting all of you to learn more about my protagonist, Mickey Tussler, an incredible pitching prodigy who has autism. Follow Mickey's journey as he captures the hearts of fans everywhere with his blazing fastball and indomitable spirit. Please visit Amazon or www.franknappy.com for more information. 
Hi, this is the world-famous Mr. Brewtown of BrewtownSportsStopHotomatic.com. You know, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, Plus. Uh, Brewtown Sports. You can also listen to the show at Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, and iTunes.com. And we've got the new one. It's called BrewtownRadio.Webley.com. But the one that I'm most proud of being on is BaseballPodcast.net. It is the home of great baseball talk shows. Check it out, my show and all kinds of other programs all about Major League Baseball. So check it out. That's BaseballPodcast.net, the home for great baseball talk shows. The Phillies and Mets rivalry has never been better. Hi, my name is Rich Baxter, and I host Phillies Talk Podcast. I hope you'll join me as we talk all about the Phillies all season long. That's Phillies Talk Podcast at fightinphillies.com. And now back to Gary Mack and this great edition of Mets Musings. Five one six six one nine six three four one. That is the comment voicemail hotline. If you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line, leave us a comment or a voicemail question, anything at all. Call that number five one six six one nine six three four one, or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen, and that's a speak pipe, and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone. Or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash Mets Musings and the Twitter handle is at Mets Musings 1 and uh, if you'd uh, like to help out the show check out our Patreon page check out the campaign at patreon.com slash Mets Musings And I'm back, and joining me tonight on Mets Musings is the staff writer for Gaslamp Ball, a great San Diego Padres uh, uh, blog site, and he is Roy Thomason. And Roy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on here, Gary. It's my pleasure. Now, Roy, um, Padres uh, not getting off to the start that they had hoped for, I'm sure, Oh, what's been the problem so far as you see it? And, and uh, uh, can they stay that way through the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the problems weren't necessarily unexpected. Coming into the season, we knew that it was going to be a development kind of a year. We weren't expecting us to go out and be world beaters. Um, but, yeah, it hasn't been the kind of start that us fans had hoped for. Uh, plenty of a bunch of the young hitters aren't hitting. A couple of guys in the rotation really fell flat on their face and haven't picked themselves up. Um, and so the the roster overall has been pretty weak so far this season. But you know what? We're keeping the faith. It's a long year, and uh, there's still plenty of good moments to be had out there. Yeah, it certainly are. It, it is pretty early, and you know sometimes these things gel. I mean, uh, look at what the Dodgers did last year. They uh, 
they had a rough first half, and then they really put it together in the second half. So there's still hope um, for for the Padres as well. But the, they have been struggling the last couple of years, and uh, it's really a shame. It's kind of far from the glory days of uh, Garvey and and uh, Gwynn and. Um, but look, they made some acquisitions over the winter. They uh, got Eric Hosma. I know he's not with the team right now, but um, how, how has he been performing so far? Eric Hosmer has been approximately as advertised. He uh, At one point, he was actually leading the league in hits, um, albeit he wasn't getting a ton of extra base hits. He's hit a couple of, of big homers. Um, one thing that he was criticized for in the offseason was his launch angle. And there were talks that maybe he's going to join the fly ball revolution. Well, so far this year, his launch angle has actually been worse than it was last year. He's been hitting a lot of grounders. Um, but this plays into the small sample size. Hopefully, hopefully he's, those lo- uh, ground balls start turning into line drives and he starts being a doubles machine again. Um, on defense, he's been pretty good. We've, we've seen a couple of miscues. Uh, I, I attribute some of that to getting familiar with a new team. Um, so it's it's been a bit of a rough start for him, but uh, we're going to have him for the long haul. So I'm, I'm hopeful that he's going to turn it around. Now, uh, also, I see uh, Freddie Galvis is with the team. Uh, that's the same. You picked him up from Philly, correct? Correct. Yeah, we picked him up for a minor league pitcher. He's in the last year of his arbitration years. Um, so he's kind of a rental by, by a certain, you know, how you look at it. Uh-huh. He's been fantastic at shortstop. And this organization has been devoid of a legit MLB quality shortstop for a decade, really. So it's been wonderful seeing a professional shortstop out there that's engaged on every play, gets to everything. At the plate, he started off hot. Now he's kind of slumping a little bit. Um, you know, he's another one of these guys that we're hoping for him to take a step forward this year. Matt Stairs is the new hitting coach. Matt Stairs was working with him last year in Philadelphia. So there were thoughts that maybe some of what they were starting to cultivate would come over this year, and it looked great early in the season. Uh, now he's in a rough patch, but he's still a really tough out. And uh, with with the the um, the acquisition of Hosma, uh, that moved Will Myers back to the outfield. How is he adjusting going back to the outfield? And uh, has is he off to the same kind of start that he's had the last few years? Moving back to the outfield seemed to be a pretty pretty easy adjustment for him. Um, he took to the role right away. You know, they asked him, you know, "What do you feel about moving to the outfield?" And he was happy to do it to bring Hosmer on board. And he's looked pretty good out there. He you know he played outfield through the minors and in Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. and his first couple of years with with San Diego, uh, his first year with San Diego. Um, at the plate, you know, he's he's belt, dealt with a little bit of injury. He a couple games into the season, he had a back issue that put him on the DL. Um, he just came back off the DL last week. Uh, he's been hitting well since he's been back, uh, but it's, again, another small sample size. The tough part for Will Myers and some of the other guys is that we have a crowded outfield, uh, so it's been hard getting the playing time spread around and getting everybody consistent playing time. And and he was, I think last year, he was your all-star, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was the all-star in 2016. 
Okay. I believe Brad Hand was our representative last in last year's game. We I don't think the Padres had any position players. Now last year was a was a down season. 2016 he had a huge first half. Right. And he actually was a, a Gold Glove candidate first baseman at the end of the season. Last year his defense slipped. His batting he seemed to get back into the you know striking out a ton and swinging at pitches out of the zone, um, not making a whole lot of contact. So. Maybe a maybe a shift to the outfield and pulling him out of the spotlight by putting Eric Hosmer up front might be able to get him to get back into a comfort zone. So take us around the rest of the outfield and and uh, you know uh, what's going on there because we don't really see a lot at San Diego here, and only when really when the Mets go out there and uh, we're not that familiar with your team. Well, our opening day outfield was Will Myers in right field, Manuel Margot in center field, and Jose Perella in left. Manuel Margot has a gold glove caliber defense. He's got the baseball IQ. He has the range. He has the athleticism, um, the instincts. He's a fantastic defender. At the plate, he's a contact-heavy kind of a guy, doesn't draw a ton of walks, puts the ball in play a lot. Although he's been slumping, you'll hear me say that a lot. Uh, and then in left field, Jose Perella was a man kind of without a position. Um, he was acquired from the Yankees a few years back, and he started crushing it in the minor leagues, um, posting more power numbers than he ever had before. So then he came back last year and became the Padres' best hitter over the course of the season. So now they're trying to find playing time for him. He came up as a short, as a, uh, a second baseman, but he's seen most of his playing time in left field. Um, he's a below-average defender uh, at the plate, puts the ball in play a ton. Um, he's not afraid to work, work a walk, and he has enough pop to put it out, but really singles and doubles are more his game. And then uh, the guy that's been drawing the most attention lately, Franchi Cordero, was called up when Margot hit the, the disabled list a couple weeks back. And Franchi Cordero is one of these freakish athlete guys. He's incredibly strong. He's incredibly fast. And uh, between his cup of coffee last year and what he's done so far this year, he's been posting some of the best power and speed numbers uh, by the advanced metrics. So when he gets a hold of one, it's going to take off. And he's got speed and range. His challenge is that he's raw. So we saw that the other day. Tyson Ross had a no-hitter going into the, I believe, into the eighth inning. And there was a, a line drive hit right over Margot's head. Or, I'm sorry, right over Cordero's head. He took two steps forward and then turned around to go back. And by then, the, the ball was over his head. But it was a catch that, by according to StatCast, it should have been a 99% catch probability. So a bad read wound up spoiling a potential no-hitter. But that's all right. He's young. He's learning. Uh, we know that it's the team wasn't going to contend this year. So if we're going to give him an opportunity to go get some experience, uh, get those reps under him and learn those lessons this year, um, he's an exciting guy to watch. And that's such a, a, a very good point that, you know, um, you, you can't, you can play every day down the minors, but there's nothing like getting that experience in the major leagues. And, and uh, I, I think it makes for a better ball plan. Unfortunately, you have to suffer through the, uh, the the good and the bad with these young players, but you know, hopefully, they come out the other side and, and they're better ball players for it. That's what we're all hoping for. But <laughs> yeah, it, it starts to try your patience after a couple of years of 
of this. I, last year was supposed to be that year where we had uh, we had Austin Hedges behind the plate. Manuel Margot made his debut. We had Hunter Renfro in right field, who's on the disabled list right now. A ton of power and was supposed to be a pretty good defender. And you watch all these guys struggle and make little breakthroughs and struggle. And then this year, they're all starting off struggling again. It's like, come on, guys, when are you going to turn that corner? Because we know you're good ball players. You just got to get it out of yourselves. Yeah, and sometimes it happens uh, sooner than later, and and uh, sometimes it's later than it. You know, uh, when they get a little older, when they're twenty seven. Twenty seven seems to be the key age. A lot of these guys, it something clicks at at that age. I don't know what it is, but uh, they come of age. But some some of them, if they're really good, they got really good talent. They'll get it. They'll get it at an earlier age. But um, well, we got a pretty good example of that right now at third base. Uh, we we got a young man named Christian Villanueva who's not quite 27. He's a couple months away from his 27th birthday, but uh, last time I checked, he was leading the league, leading the National League in a couple of the in well, what weighted on base average and weighted runs created. He's just he's got power. He's shown some pretty good plate discipline at the plate. Um, he struggled in the Cubs organization behind um, behind Chris Bryant. He was blocked, and mm-hmm. then he broke his leg. He was out for a season, um, and now finally at age 26, almost 27, he's showing potential for a breakout. And uh, But I read he's having some uh, hamstring soreness. Yeah, they, they said he was having some hamstring soreness. Um, he also got hit in the hand by a pitch right before he uh, – they, they – benched him a little bit i wonder if the series in colorado might have had something to do with it if because when you're talking about recovery the the lower oxygen content of the mm-hmm. air up there makes it harder for bodies to recover right so maybe they decided to give him a couple of days off to help him heal they said he was good to go that he could have played um he was available to come off the bench these last couple of days but uh, maybe this is something where you, you bench a guy for a couple of days to try to give him you know, a little bit more legs later in the season. Right, right. And uh, I'm looking at the matchups for this weekend coming up, and we've mm-hmm. got uh, Jacob DeGrom is going to face Richard Clayton. And... Clayton Clayton Richard, actually. Oh, Clayton Richard. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> and One of these guys with two, with two with first, first names. names. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's see. You're going to see Jason Vargas and Joey Lucchese uh, on mm-hmm. Saturday, and then on Sunday, it's going to be Brian Mitchell against Zach Wheeler. Uh, how has the pitching, the starting pitching, uh, fared so far this season? And uh, what about the relief core? How have they uh, been? Uh, because we all know now everything is going into the bullpen and uh, using uh, the relievers, and God knows we've been using a ton of them so far ourselves here uh, with the Mets. So uh, take us through a little bit about these particular starting pitchers, if you would, and uh, and how the bullpen is faring. Well, the bullpen's doing great. The problem is they keep having to save the rele- the, the starters. Clayton Richard is a veteran. Um, he's a left-hander, throws kind of from a sidearm position. He had thoracic outlet syndrome surgery a few years back, and that when he came back, he lowered his, his slot. Uh, doesn't bring a ton of velocity, but he's got pretty good command, and he's a sinker baller. He induces a ton of ground balls. He's been among the league leaders in ground ball rate. Um, so if he's working around the strike zone, expect a lot of weak contact. He works quickly. 
Um, he can keep his pitch count down when he's getting that contact. So far this year, he's struggled to generate outs a little bit. So his ERA is up there, and the, the other supporting numbers are up there as well. Uh, then the number two starter in this weekend's matchup, Joey Lucchese, he lit it up all spring. He was a non-roster invitee. He was drafted in 2016 um, as a college senior. Uh, and he was one of these guys that he doesn't have overpowering stuff. He doesn't have anything that's going to blow you away, but he uses his location and he's not afraid to come inside and pitch high in the, in the zone as well. So he's got this pitch that they call a churve. Well, so he came, he, he was a non-roster invitee. He wound up getting uh, sent to the minor leagues and started the season in triple a, but then, um, when, uh, Denelson Lamette hurt his elbow right before the season. They had to call him right back up before he could even make a start in Triple A. So he was kind of in the starting rotation on opening day, but not really. <laughs> uh, so anyway, he's got a pitch that he calls a churve. He holds it with a changeup type grip and releases it like a changeup, but it comes out with this tumbling curveball motion um, that moves that moves in on a right-handed hitter. So it's like a curveball that breaks the other way for for a left-handed. Um, you know, I said that the wrong way. It breaks toward the left-handed hitter. Um, so he, he's effective against righties and lefties. He'll keep that churve down out of the zone, and then he'll throw a fastball up high at the top of the zone, uh, messes with hitters' eye angles, and he's been pretty effective so far this year. And then uh, Brian Mitchell. Brian Mitchell's been an adventure. They picked him up along with Chase Headley in the offseason from the Yankees, and he's one of these guys that has – this curveball that falls off the table and a mid nineties fastball that sometimes he can locate it, but we haven't seen much of that this year. He's had a couple of good starts and a couple of dreadful starts. So us Padres fans, we tend to cringe a little bit when we see Mitchell <laughs> up on the mound. Uh, hopefully we see one of his better games against you guys. And then to the bullpen. And like I said, the bullpen has been, been nails. They were, they were elected the, uh, the bullpen of the week a couple weeks ago. Uh, Brad Hand is our closer. He's a lefty that's got this filthy slider. He was our all-star last year. Um, you know, there were there were trade talks through last year, through all offseason. Then they signed him to an extension, so uh, we're excited to have him for a couple of years. Setup man is Kirby Yates, uh, hard-throwing righty, picked up from the Angels last year. Um, you know, fastball slider kind of kind of thing. Um, and then we got a couple of oddballs in the bullpen, a couple of side armors. Well. Sidearm submariners. Adam Simber was a great success story. He was another non-roster invitee this spring, wasn't expected to do anything. And then he forced the team's hand. Nobody ever scored a run on him all spring. So he's got this funky sidearm delivery, comes from way down low. Um, but as a sidearmer, he keeps it down and then he'll come up at the top of the zone. He's not afraid to, to mess around with, uh, with the, the, the side angles again. Um, and then Along with him, we have Kazuhisa Makita, a Japanese pitcher who was picked up from the Japanese league last year, and he's a submariner. So he releases the ball. I mean, it looks like his knuckles are almost going to scrape the ground. Um, while Simber can get his pitches up into the, you know, he can he can just about touch ninety. Makita has his fastball is in the low eighties, if that, and he's got this lollipop curveball that'll drop in at like fifty-five miles an hour. But it's funny that the the change of angles and the change of velocity and the motion that he gets on his pitches really seems to get hitters off balance. 
Well, you know, these guys are used to hitting 90 miles an hour, and believe it or not, when you see 55 all of a sudden, it looks like a completely different ball. It's almost like slow-pitch softball to these guys, you know? And it is. They're just, so timed up that when they see the ball come out, they're already swinging, and then, nope, i got to count one, two, three, now swing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is crazy because you would think, man, they're going to cream this guy all over the place. But um, And especially it, it, it's not bad for a relief pitcher because – they're not throwing as much, so you don't get to see them as much, you know. So uh, as maybe a relief pitcher or what whatnot. But um, now you mentioned that Clayton Richard had the, uh, I think it was Clayton Richard had the thoracic outlet syndrome surgery. Correct. Yeah. And uh, how long did did he seem to come back from that quickly, or was there a time period? You know, I haven't looked into his case history in a while. I feel like he came back after about a year, but he came back as a reliever. Um, and it he struggled for a while. It wasn't really until the Padres picked him back up that that he, he started to hit a groove again. Um, but a good case to look at is Tyson Ross. Tyson Ross made one start at the beginning of the 2016 series and then missed the rest of the season with a variety of ailments they were looking at his shoulder his elbow all kinds of other things when finally he was diagnosed with thoracic outlet syndrome and they performed the surgery i believe it was in september of 2016 so at the time they thought maybe he'd be able to come back toward the end of spring or mm -hmm. early in the season the padres had to make a decision whether they were going to re-sign him to his final year of arbitration or let him walk and they decided to non-tender him because he was due to make about $10 million in arbitration, even though there was no guarantee that he'd pitch at all the following season. So they let him go, and then the Rangers picked him up, and he rehabbed. He, he'll tell you that he probably came back a little bit too early. So he came back in the middle of 2017. It was less than a year before he was back on a major league mound, but his velocity wasn't there. As a result, his breaking pitches weren't breaking the same, um, and he couldn't get comfortable enough to, to get his command back either. So now that we're early in the 2017 or 2018 season, he's back with the Padres and he looks like his former self. His fastball's back up in the mid 90s with some life. He's got his slider working that's hitting the low 90s and it's got that sharp bite again. Um, and so it's about a year and a half for him to really come back and look like himself again. Yeah, because we're, we're going through some of the similar uh, circumstance with uh, Matt Harvey, who. Uh, has just been uh, the last week was demoted, I guess you might call it, to the bullpen. Uh, but he had the thoracic outlet syndrome surgery, whatever you want to call it, and um, has struggled mightily, came back last year, and I think he might have come back, as you said with Tyson Ross, a little too soon and uh, continues to struggle this year. In fact, as I said, they moved him to the bullpen now, and uh, now he's making the mistake of uh, – taking on the press in the city and that's one thing you don't do after uh, not really doing anything in the last couple of years so um that's going to be an interesting take and everything but um that's why I just, yeah you don't mess with the new york press they'll eat you alive hey, hey, you know it's if uh i don't know if you had won 20 games a couple of times and you had that uh uh, behind you at least you'd have something to, a leg to stand on but um he, he's really a, a 500 pitcher. I mean, uh, 13 was his best year, I guess you could say, 
with the All-Star game, and then it all went downhill after that. It really hasn't shown much except for maybe some good uh, games in 50, 2015, but not really showing that much. So uh, you guys aren't going to see him at all. Uh, well, you may see him coming out of the bullpen, and, and uh, unless he decides to boycott that now, who knows? But uh, well, the tough part about that was that he was he was an ace in the making. He was going to be your guys' number one. So mm-hmm. to see him fall from that when you've got such high hopes, and fortunately you've had Syndergaard and Degrom and some other guys step up. But man, when you've got that that ace with a capital A, and you you're looking at him going, this guy is going to be at the front of the rotation for five years. And then he's just gone. That's that's a big it, hole to it, cover. It, it is. It is. And it's a tough transition for him, I guess, mentally. But, um, you know, sometimes you got to swallow the pride and everything and just try to get your career back on track. And uh, he's in a walk year, so uh, he's really uh, uh, confounded by the whole thing. But um, we'll see how that all of that works out. Well, it sounds like well, it if he wants be- to get away from the pressure and the press, then he maybe he can come out here and sign for the Padres <laughs> this off season. Well, you, you know, know Petco Park's a nice big park. Maybe, uh, maybe he can uh, recover some value next year and lead the Padres rotation. His uh, agent is uh, a L.A. Uh, a guy in uh, Boris, who's always at the the Angels Park. So uh, maybe he would consider hey, moving. Hosmer, Eric Hosmer is a bone uh, uh, a Boris agent. And Boris did say that the Padres are a volcano of hot talent lava. <laughs> that is right. a direct quote. That was our favorite quote from the offseason. And and how is the minor leagues uh, as far as uh, you know uh, providing new? Are they uh, one of the top minor leagues or? Yeah, yeah, they've been rated as the top minor league system in the organ in the in all of baseball by several of these different publications. Um, they've got stacked rosters up and down. Really the low minors is where the most talent is. So mm-hmm. uh, single A, uh, Fort Wayne, single A, Lake Elsinore, double A, San Antonio, just amazing talent, especially on the pitching side. Uh, but then there's also some impressive bats. Uh, down in triple A, they've got a second baseman named uh, Luis Urias, who is supposed to have one of the best hit tools in in the game. He can hit any pitch in any part of the zone and put it on a string. He doesn't have, you know, double-digit home run power right now, but they say he's going to contend for batting titles soon. And then uh, and then Tatis, Fernando Tatis Jr. is the number one prospect in the organization. He's down in double-A, and he's a shortstop, six-foot-three, just touching six-foot-four, who's got power and speed and – He's got the makeup for it. And as a Padres fan, yeah, I'm watching what the major league team's doing. And there are a handful of guys that I think are going to be around for the next, you know, championship Padres team. But really the pieces in the minor league are the guys to watch. So a thing that I've enjoyed, Lake Elsinore is a couple hours north of San Diego, maybe an hour and a half. So I've gone up already and watched a couple of, uh, of Lake Elsinore storm games this year. So that's fun going up there and watching those kids tear it up. Yeah, we've got uh, uh, the short season A League team in uh, Brooklyn here, uh, in New York of the Mets. So it is it's a in the New York Penn League. So uh, I always get a kick out of going and watching the minor league games myself. Do they have one of those wacky nicknames? Uh, they're Cyclones, the Brooklyn Cyclones. Oh, okay. So, oh, oh, like the old uh, what was that? The roller coaster down on Coney Island. Right, because they play right next door to it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. 
Yeah, and uh, it is cool because you see a lot of the guys, like, uh, they tend to send guys there that when they draft and they draft the college guys because it's a short season, you know, they can bring them in there and uh, bring them along. So I've seen uh, Michael Conforto play there. Quite a few of the Mets uh, currently were former Cyclones played in, uh, went through there. So uh, it, it's very interesting, and and they, they'll sometimes send guys down on rehab if they want if they're not that hurt and they want to keep them close by. Um, like Jose Reyes was down there last year or two years ago um, when he came back. So uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I really do enjoy the minor league uh, games. Yeah, Will Myers was just in Lake Elsinore last week, so it's pretty neat watching a. A major league all-star caliber player out there hitting bombs in front of a couple thousand people. <laughs> yeah, it's great, and you're so much closer, so you really get to see them. Yeah, and then they have those silly things they do in between innings. Yeah, you know, spin around, spin around the bat a few times, yeah. try to run across the <laughs> run across the thing. All right, you gotta love those things. And you get to do it all for less than 10 bucks. There you go. That's the best part. Well, Roy, I want to thank you so much for coming on tonight. And uh, why don't you tell the folks where they can uh, read your stuff and and, uh, all about Gas Lamp Ball. Well, Gas Lamp Ball is part of the SB Nation, just like Amazing Avenue is for the Mets. So come on over and take a look at Gas Lamp Ball. We've got a bunch of fun writers that we like to have some fun with the team, even when the team's – not all that much fun to watch. Uh, and then I'm on Twitter. My handle is Zippy underscore TMS. Uh, nobody gets to know what the TMS stands for. Um, and then I've, I, I've even got a podcast I just started up with my girlfriend that we call Work in the Count. Um, so trying to do some different things. But uh, we have some fun out here in San Diego. And tell us a little bit about the podcast. Uh, it's it's me and my girlfriend. She uh, she wanted to get something started up because we got a bunch of – they call it the golden age of Padres podcasts. Uh, the local radio coverage is pretty weak. It's mm-hmm. starting to get better, but it's pretty weak. And so a bunch of people took it upon themselves to just start podcasts talking about baseball. And uh, among all the different podcasts out there, it's a bunch of dudes. And so my <laughs> girlfriend is like, Somebody, a girl needs to get into this. There you and go. so we read into it and we, you know, I bought a couple of headsets and figured out what software I can use and how to do the thing. And we're still trying to figure it out, but we've put out a couple <laughs> episodes now where we talk about where we go and what we saw and what's going on with the team. And then she starts, she's breaking off. She started her own podcast with a friend of hers, a female friend. So now they're two women doing a podcast. They call it Hell's Bells, B-E-L-L-E-S. <laughs> and they picked the name because Trevor Hoffman, who's going into the Hall of Fame this year, his walkout song was Hell's Bells by ACDC. So they're, uh, they've got their own little cult following going on. Oh, that's great. And and uh, they're talking Padres baseball and, and uh, baseball in general. And what could be better than that? Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a it's a great time. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty lucky to to be with a lady who loves baseball and the Padres just as much as I do, if not more. <laughs> it certainly makes it easier, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> okay, Roy. Well, thanks again for coming on the show, and I uh, hope we can uh, do this again in the future. Yeah, Gary, it's been an absolute delight. I'll be uh, I'll be happy to come on and maybe gas lamp ball. Maybe we can start up our own podcast and then I can uh, I can pester you one of these days. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> uh, All right, thanks. Take thank care. Thank you. Okay, have a good evening. 
Roy Thomas, right, Gas Lamp Ball, and we'll be back right after this. Looking for great Cardinals talk? Then check out Conversations with C70. My name is Daniel Shoftaw, and I talk with some of the great bloggers on the internet today about their teams. But it always goes back to the Cardinals. Find the latest episode on my website, www.cardinal70.com or at baseballpodcast.net. Did you know that Baseball PhD can be heard on BaseballTalkRadio.com? Our shows rotate with other top baseball podcasts. Now don't forget, that's BaseballTalkRadio.com. With us, we'll help you get a PhD in life through baseball. With BaseballTalkRadio.com, you'll hear the rest of the excellent universe of baseball podcasts. 516-619-6341. That is the comment voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show. And drop us a line, leave us a comment or a voicemail, question, anything at all. Call that number, 516-619-6341. Or go to MetsMusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen, and that's a speak pipe, and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone. Or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at MetsMusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash Mets Musings and the Twitter handle is at Mets Musings 1. With all the Mets news, it is the news from around the world and around the corner. Here's Gary Mack. And I'm back and uh, hope you enjoyed that interview with Roy Thomason. It really was uh, pretty informative and uh, great guest and uh, we'll have to have him on again. Now it's time to go down on the farm. <laughs> and the big news from the farm teams are that they are not doing very well. They are off to a slow start as of last night. Las Vegas was 6-14. and 14. They were in last place in the division. Uh, Binghamton was 8-9 and nine in fourth place in their division in the Eastern League. And St. Lucie was 9-10 and 10 in the Florida State League. They were in fifth place, and Columbia had the best record. They were 12-8, and eight, and they were in third place, game and a half out of first in the Sally League. And, of course, the hottest player in the Mets organization right now is Peter Alonzo, who has, uh, like, four home runs, I believe. He is just spanking the ball. He's hitting, like, 345 the last time I looked. And just uh, really uh, putting pressure on the Mets, boy. He keeps hitting at double A like this. They're going to have to move him to triple A. If he starts hitting like this at triple A, this is going to put a lot of pressure on Dominic Smith. Uh, Because Dominic Smith had an opportunity and blew it, and now maybe they're not as happy with them in the organization. And if Alonzo is showing them something... He's not the fielder that Smith is. Let's get that straight right away. He's not a great fielder. However, he has been working on his fielding and has improved greatly. So, uh, you know, he can, he can hit like a, a son of a gun. So if he can hit, hit for power, he's a big, strong kid. Uh, you heard him on this show. We interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. 
and uh, he's a hard worker, and we'll see him uh, could be playing first base for the Mets shortly. I mean, that could be another position the Mets are having trouble with. I mean, Gonzalez just isn't hitting. He's... You know, he's playing a pretty decent first base. Doesn't have the range he used to have, but uh, he's not hitting. Flores, is Flores going to be the everyday first baseman? I don't think so. So there could be a potential here. Now, wouldn't it be interesting to have um, next year, two years from now, a platoon of Dominic Smith and Peter Alonso playing first base for the Mets? That would be interesting. One's a lefty, one's a righty. Um, don't think that will definitely happen. I think they like to have just one guy and have a backup. But um, interesting to see. And uh, like I said, he's pushing some people right now and making his bid to get sent to AAA. But I think they'll leave him at AA for a bit to see if he continues on this hot streak. And look who's on Twitter now. Keith Hernandez has uh, been tweeting out and doing a lot. He, he does a lot of videos, short videos and stuff with him and his cat, Haji, and, and uh, uh, really quite interesting. So if you're a Keith Hernandez fan, check him out on Twitter. And he's got a book coming out very soon called I Am Keith Hernandez. A uh, very good book. I happen to have read it, and uh, very interesting. It's done from a different point of view, so uh, go check that out. You can pre-order it on Amazon now. Uh, Keith Hernandez. I am Keith Hernandez. And finally, happy. how about some happy belated birthday wishes to uh, Mike McNicholas and Zach L. Miller and Nick the Pinman, GM Pietro, Happy belated birthday to you guys and uh, hope for many, many more. All right, so the Mets are going to San Diego for three. I think they have to sweep. They definitely have to take two out of three. They have to get start winning series again. They won their first. I think it was six series. Now they dropped two in a row. Now they've got to get back on that winning track. Uh, Jacob DeGrom, uh, as you heard in the interview, will be uh, facing off against Clayton Richard, I believe it is. And uh, uh, Vargas will uh, face Mitchell. And uh, my mind's drawing a blank on who Wheeler's going to pitch. But that's the uh, matchups for the weekend. So two out of three, maybe uh, three out of three uh, would be even nicer. So let's hope the Mets can pull that off. And play a little better defensively, too. All right. And we'll be back next week. And um, hopefully we'll have another guest. So uh, until then, keep the faith. Stay optimistic. And let's go Mets.